just get back down the tunnel. This is an annual HFR podcast. I'm Darren, and I'm joined by HFR's answer to the Greg Sausage and Bean Melt, live from Apollo 11, Stu Moore. How's it going, mate? You all right? I'm very well. How are you? I'm good. I'm good, mate. I'll be out for me, Sausage and Bean Melt. Oh, well, sort of hit and miss on it. You either get a really hot one or you get a stale one. That's why you always have to ask. Anyway, also, HFR's answer to the question nobody asked. Ollie Scholes, how are you, Ollie? I'm good, thanks. Okay, nice to see you. Happy New Year, lads. Haven't seen you. Uh, haven't seen you this side of this side of the year. So football, eh? Let's chat about football. <laughs> the top. Where should we start? The top or the bottom? Stu, have we got a title race? Is it yeah, a three-hole yeah. race? What do you reckon? No, I think to be honest, I think it's a. Um... I think it's a two-horse race, to be honest. I think Liverpool have done well to pull the form back around. And they've got something to play for now that Klopp's leaving. It'll be kind of all for the cause. But, uh, but Man City are starting to to get that February form on there. Um, they've got a game in hand, uh, which will take them a point above Liverpool, I believe. And, uh, yeah, I can see City putting together a, a run of results here. Um, so, ultimately, I think City will win it. But Liverpool... They've been able to turn it around since last season. Um, the scoring goals. I think Salah being out is a, a bit of an issue. Um, so, yeah, I think City will, City will ultimately do it, mate. Same old story, yeah? But, Ollie, what do you what do you reckon about Arsenal? Got a chance? I think you, you can't write them off, can you? They're still up there. They're, they're level on points with Man City, aren't they? They're two points behind Air Liverpool. Haven't played the same amount of games. But I think... We know from from history it tells us that like Arsenal tend to get the march in April, and if they're if they're up there, um, then they tend to choke, don't they? Um, and I think I can't see any different now. I think they're still a forward light, um, and I think they're probably like maybe a, a midfielder light as well. Um, so I just don't see Arsenal being up there at the end of the season. I mean, so they brought in they brought in Rice. Saliba's got them pretty settled at the back. Do you think? Do you think the forward is the difference? I mean, we know we know Man City have got previous. We know they go on these runs, but like, can they do it every single time? Is it, will it eventually burn out? What do you think about the clock? Like, there's there's quite a bit of play. I think it's. I think we're in for quite an exciting finish. And also, I mean, there's a, they've got to play each other as well, which is going to make things a little bit more interesting. Like, Stu, what do you think about is? Is the Arsenal striker situation their ultimate downfall? I, I think it is. I think it's a, a massive issue. Um, and I think that, that's just what you mentioned there. I think the key, key thing is that they'll not beat Man City in that fixture. Um, and if that's when they tend to fall down is when they play these meaningful matches. I know that they, um, they beat uh, Liverpool, was it, a couple of weeks ago? Um, but, but yeah, I... It's the way Arsenal follow really, and the likes of Man City are just just motor on. They they do it when the business at the business end. Um, it means they did put six past West Ham, so kind of you, you see, is it is a striker an issue? I think that says more about West Ham to be honest, than it does Arsenal being prolific. Um, so yeah, that'll ultimately cost them. Uh, good to see Saka come back into form though, because I really like him. Uh, interesting, interesting one to see. Oli, how much do you think the 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 end of the Klopp era will make a difference? Do you think do you think it actually gives them that extra bit of play for, or do you think it's just sort of a bit of narrative spun around it? And 
I suppose the narrative will be that there is something extra to play for, but I think Klopp will have them pretty well drilled as as usual. I don't think anything will change as far as as Klopp's, Klopp's concerned. Um, I mean, to be honest, I'm still thinking I wouldn't be surprised if he stays. You know, Ferguson retired about three times, didn't he? So, um, I, I just no, I don't think it'll be any different for Liverpool from a Liverpool perspective. But I think from from the the media perspective, then and obviously there's going to be an agenda there, isn't there? And um, there's going to be that sort of uh, way of looking at things. But no, I, I think I think I think Klopp's been really clever if he does go now because I think the the squad they've got really aging now. I know they've got quite a good a few good youngins. Um, coming through and stuff, but I think overall the squad, the, the best players, Salah, etc., um, are all getting to an age now um, where they're going to eventually move on quite soon. Um, and I think that's going to sort of hold them back. And I think maybe that's partly why Klopp's going because that's going to cost an absolute fortune to replace, isn't it? Um, so yeah, I think in terms of this season, I think it'll just be business as usual for Klopp. Do you have any your thoughts? Do you think that um, a natural fit for Klopp would be going to Barcelona and you know, revitalising them, given what they've went through recently? I mean, my instinct is he won't work straight away. I think he'll have some time off. I mean, you know, if you take him at his word, he needs a break, which, you know, might be fair enough. He said he'll not manage in the Premier League again. Take him at his word, fair enough. Barcelona, maybe. I mean, my instinct is the Germany job is probably the is probably the natural one. If you know, you want he wants that break. He doesn't really want to sort of get affiliated with a club. He's obviously got you know the sort of Dortmund connection back in Germany, so he might not want to manage another another German team. And I, I don't know if you like Barcelona. Might be a five six year job, like. I think it might be a, it's not a it's not a one year fix and I don't know whether he I don't know whether he fancies going in for the long haul. So that's why my instinct is is the Germany job. Ollie, what do you reckon? That's exactly what I was gonna say as well. I think you'll probably have maybe a year or two out and then and then it naturally becomes his job, I think, and it's it's probably gonna be his last job in football. So just before we just before we move on, if we're settling I mean Ollie, I didn't I didn't ask you outright, but where's your Where's your threatens going on on the title? Oh, Man City all day. I think it's it's just it's purely they're, they're just a well-oiled machine on there. They just sort of they've picked up the pace now. I know they had um, a bit of a stutter at the start of the season and, and up towards Christmas, but they're just they're so good. They're absolutely brilliant. I mean, they destroyed us up here really. I know it was quite a close game score-wise, scoreline-wise, but um, but they absolutely destroyed us and they're just far too good um, to not win it. Really, I think. Which is a shame because it just becomes quite boring, doesn't it? So it does a bit. I mean, in that in that game night, so the three two that you talk about, the difference. Although the you know we were penned back for a fair bit of that game, ultimately De Bruyne made the difference with a goal and an assist. Holland didn't play, but I mean, so the I mean the question I'm I'm going to ask is the sort of the big three for them. Maybe the big four, but I'm going to take Bernardo Silva out. Is Holland, Rodri, De Bruyne? Do you think if they lose one of them for a sustained, like where what has to happen for them not to win the league? Like where does if we assume that they're so well oiled that 
all things being equal, they'll win it. Like what what part needs to break for them to fall down? Stu- for me, it's, you're, you're absolutely right. There are three players there who who are probably the main the main men. But I think the 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 one thing that I think could derail it is if De Bruyne got another injury. I think they can do without Rodri. They've got they've got the likes of Kovacic who can come in and do a job there. Um, they've got people who are going to score goals. I mean, they, they create so many chances that it doesn't really matter who's on the end of them. Um, whether it's like you know, um, a Bob, whether it's anyone couldn't Alvarez. You know, they've got players who are going to stick the ball away. Um, I think De Bruyne has the, the difference. He's like the catalytic converter of the well-oiled machine, if you if you like. Um, <laughs> So that's that's my opinion personally. I think if if he was to sustain another long term injury, then there might be there might be a bit of a title race on. But if he's fit for the rest of the season, I think that's it. But pretty pretty standard. Can you remember in the nineties when you'd be in a car, probably not probably not driving, given how old we are. But you're in a car and you used to get a smell of egg, and someone would go off <laughs> the catalytic converter. Like, was it? Is that is that a thing? I don't know. It's got a bad rap that it that it was always a dodgy smell coming from. Yeah, it was just your dad farting down. <laughs> anyway, sorry, Stu, where you where you stand on the on the the Man City machine? I, I was I was going to say like it's a bit ominous, isn't it? Holland scoring two at the weekends. Like I was just looking at the the, the stats from the season to see who scored the most goals because I just assumed that he wouldn't be at the top given that he's missed a period of time. But he is, he's at the top of 16 goals. <laughs> That's pretty mad, to be honest. Um, I So I think the injuries, uh, I kind of disagree with Oli a little bit. I think Rodri is key to it. Um, I feel, when he's out of the team, I feel like they suffer the most. Obviously, De Bruyne is creatively unbelievable. And we've seen against Newcastle how he can turn the game just with, with two passes, really. Um, but Rodri is so important to that team. I know it's kind of Newcastle fans who always talk about this number six coming in. It was all... All of a sudden, going to come in and, and solidify everything in like a Magalili role or a Kante sort of thing. But but this day and age, the number six does a lot more, and you just need to look at Rodri for that. Um, Offers doesn't just protect the back four; he's you know he's driving the ball forward and, and, and creating chances. So I feel like if Rodri is out the team for any prolonged period of time, granted Kovacic can come in and do you know the, the one or two games. But if, if Rodri comes out, then I think they've got an issue. Likewise, if Arsenal, if Rice comes out. That's them done, I would say. Well, I mean, it's no, it's no coincidence that those sixes are holding midfielders or I don't, what do the kids call them, CDMs or something like that. Like that, that position, that like that's where the big money's getting spent now, isn't it? With Rice and and Caicedo, two examples from from this summer. Can't a previous example? You know, won the league at Leicester, moved, won the league at Chelsea, won everything with France. Like that is a really, really critical position now. So I, I think I'm sort of on the side of Stu. I think Rodri is the Rodri is the one, albeit not to knock how much of an impact De Bruyne clearly has and how many goals Holland scores. But yeah, I think that I think they can probably manage without Holland because the goals are just spread around the team anyway. I think they they do because they do seem to be conceding more goals and more chances than they have done in previous years. And I think without taking Rodri out of that again and now they haven't got Calvin Phillips to come in and, and plug the hole what do they do then? <laughs> anyway so that's anyway that's the top of the league sorted 10 minutes bang let's go to the bottom of the league it's quite exciting 
back in 2023, start of the season, we're talking about my uh, relegation iceberg. It's not many, not many left on it now, really. Stu, I'm going to start with you. Sheffield United done. Burnley done. Luton. Uh, Luton done. Yeah. So I would. Or am so, I being harsh on the other two? No, nah, I don't. I don't think you're being harsh. Mind the only. They're only like six points behind Everton, really. So two wins on the trot turns it right around. Sheffield United kind of feel like that was a, that was a false dawn against Luton. Them penalty decisions were horrific the weekend, and on an, on another day it wouldn't have been given. Um, Sheffield United aren't going to score enough goals, and they'll concede too many, so they they'll be down. Likewise with Burnley. Um, so those those two are gone for me, which is pretty mad to say with the amount of games that are left. The interesting part is the how close. From um, from 18 upwards is so Everton on 19 points, Luton on 20, Nottingham Forest 21, Palace 24, and Brentford 25. Any of those could get dragged in. Um, I'm hoping Everton do because <laughs> uh, probably my least favourite team out of those. Um, but I can see Palace nosediving to be honest. They've got a lot of injuries. Um, the, the fans are turning on not just Hodgson but the board. So it's going to get pretty negative, I think. They could slide rapidly. I think we're seeing from the weekend, I think Forest have got something about them. They've got that explosiveness. Um, they can attack teams. Not the best defensively, but they can score goals. Um, Luton as well, I feel like they can dig out draws. If you look at the results at home, the home form is going to be key for them. I think they could survive. And Brentford are starting to turn the key a little bit now. They're starting to get a little bit of momentum back with Tony in the team. So... For me, it's either between Palace and Everton. Everton more because I want them to go down. Uh, but Palace, because I can see them, yeah, nose diving, to be honest. I probably agree. I think that that bottom six is probably where it is. Brentford, and I think I spoke about them earlier in the season that I was like slightly worried, but I, I didn't really think they go down. And now Tony's back. It seems like he's never been away. Like it doesn't seem rusty at all. Hit the ground running. I think it'd be. I think it'd be fine. Ali, I'm going to start with a, a specific one for you, rather than a who's going down. What do you think about spinning the dice or rolling the dice? You spin something else. On uh, on Palace and Hodgson, like is do they do they stick or do they twist? Or do they spin a dice, which is something that is, is tricky to do? Sort of. I think, I mean, last season they got him in solely for the purpose of, of keeping them up, didn't they? Um, and he, he managed to do that as well. So I think I can see where Stu's coming from in terms of... Um, sorry, that's my dog going mad in the garden. Um, I can see where Stu's coming from in term, terms of the nose diving, but I think they'll still have enough. Um, I think Palace will be all right, and I think they'll, they'll probably stick with Hodgson, whether that's to do with sort of trusting him or whether it's to do with not being able to afford uh, to get rid of him um, I really don't know but I think they will end up sticking with him and I think they will stay up but I think he'll be gone in the summer though The Palace situation is an interesting one because they've got I mean I think Anderson's a decent centre-half Gay's a decent centre-half so they've got you know there's a reasonable enough defensive line there like Eze and Elise are top-half players and probably enough, I think, to keep them up. But what happens at the end of the season with those two? Like, do they lose one? Do they lose both? It's quite a, it's a bit of an inflection point for them, isn't it? Like, yeah, you'd imagine gonna... both, wouldn't you? 
they're too good really not to be finding themselves bigger clubs. Ah, well, we'll 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 see on that one. Um, there is a there is another thing hanging over, which is where we end up on these additional FFP uh, rulings. I mean, what was it ten points Everton lost? So they've they would actually be on twenty nine. Like put them up in up in twelfth level on Fulham, which is a bit mad to think. But I think it it feels like they are just in the bottom three because they've been so bad recently, but actually they had, they had a reasonably decent start to the season. Um, yeah. But, you know, whether they'll lose anymore or whether Forrest will lose anymore, like what, instinctively, like what, how do you, how do you feel if someone was relegated because of a points deduction? I mean, it's difficult, isn't it? It's at the end of the day, they've broken a rule. Um, and so they need to be punished. But I think, especially with the technicality that, well, both Forrest and Everton, to be honest. I mean, my understanding is that Everton had a sponsorship deal through Usmanov. Um, and then obviously with the Russia-Ukraine um, situation, that meant that he wasn't able to, to be part of the club anymore. And so that sponsorship disappeared. And I think common sense would say, well, look, if they've had this, this sponsorship, as long as they would have been within FFP with that sponsorship, then I think they should be get cut some kind of slack. Um, and I know Andy Burnham's talking about that at the minute as well, isn't he, in, in Parliament and what have you. Um, but then you've got not, not sorry, Nottingham Forest, um, who held on to... Um, Johnson, wasn't it? Johnson for, yeah, they held on to Johnson longer so that they could get more money out of him at the end of the window, which is their prerogative. Um, and that's meant that it's it's come into this year's FFP instead of last year's, which is which has meant that they're, they're over. So I think that's, again, it's a, it's a situation where you're sort of holding clubs to ransom, saying, well, you know, you've been offered 20 million now, and if you accept that, then you'll be fine. But if you wait, if you want to wait until the end of the season, the end, end of the window to get more like 40 million, then you're going to you're gonna be stuck points. And I, I just don't see that as being fair. I think they've got a really good case, um, albeit they have broken a rule, and therefore it's difficult to argue with it, isn't it? They know what the rules are. Um, but my opinion is just common sense needs to be used. I mean, it's a tough one, isn't it? But I, mean, my, the, I think it would be really unfair if one of those two went down because of the points deduction. I mean, but it's probably best we don't get too into the detail on uh, on FFP, partly because I don't think we know <laughs> enough about it because it's just no. an absolute minefield. But it does feel a bit like clubs like that, it's not a level playing field. It's just a massive... A massive disadvantage to them, but yeah. I mean, it, it, I, you know, whether you dislike clubs more than others, I'd be, I feel a bit uncomfortable with someone dropping down purely because of a points deduction. But I mean, I guess we'll, I guess we'll see. I mean, we'll not even get started on where Man City might end up, but unless it was Chelsea, in which case it's absolutely fine. <laughs> no I mean, they just, I'm surprised they haven't deducted themselves. Like they shoot themselves <laughs> in the foot with everything else. I know. The thing is, the repercussions on the Premier League teams aren't as catastrophic as the lower league. So, like, for example, when the teams go into administration, it's pretty much the end of the world for the club. They're getting relegated and then the income's less. The Premier League clubs can recover, can't they, really? When you're talking about hundreds of millions of pounds, it's, yeah, it's, it's, that's disparity there. So I don't really feel that bad for them, really, to be honest. I feel bad yeah. for the um, the money not being spent 
like for example, this this FFP right? It's kind of everyone's clamoring to give um, the Premier League some grip and seeing obviously the, the products getting damaged, which will be signing all the players and makes it more exciting, all that sort of thing. But what about the money getting spent and it filtering down to the lower leagues and they've not seen any of it? So like their their finances are going to be shot a bit this season because of that, because they're not going to affect from signing players, you know. Aye, it's very true. I mean, again, probably one for another podcast so we can give some proper time to it. But the way that I think bigger clubs who have got more back and are sort of getting around it by investing hugely in academies because that's not included in FFP. And then they can go on to sell on those players and then mm. reinvest that. Like there'll be players who... Ollie's favourite, Cole Palmer, is a good example. But there'll be players who have barely played or never played are going for like massive fees. Yeah. Clubs at the bottom end, the top end of the championship. And all that all that investment is done outside of FFP, so it does feel a bit it does feel a bit distorted. Anyway, we've gone we've gone slightly off topic there. What I was gonna suggest is rather than a points deduction, we should bring in some sort of chance slash community chess monopoly style card system where if you get found guilty you turn over a card and you get whatever the punishment says it might be a points deduction you might get 50 quid in a beauty contest you might have to close one of your stands for three weeks something completely out of the blue (laughs) and you have to do it like a day (laughs) that's my suggestion anyway what that moves us on to is equally mad rule changes because we're now into the section I'm going to call YIFAB. Just ahead of, of IFAB's annual meeting when they discuss upcoming rule changes, we've got two big ones on the table. We might have more. One, blue cards. We'll get onto that in a sec. The other one, if you time wasted a goal kick, the other team gets a corner. It's very, very middle school. Anyway, blue, let's start with blue cards. Ollie, thoughts? Totally against him. Um, obviously, as, as a as a non-league fan, I, I watch quite a lot of non-league football, and it's it's already been introduced into that. It's not it's not a blue card as such, but it's a ten minute sin bin. Um, and I think to an extent, it might have worked. Um, the odd time, it might make people think about how they talk to the referee and stuff like that. But um, it, it's not necessary at all. I mean, I, I go to watch Newcastle all the time, and um, the amount of times I've seen people, players, both Newcastle players. Um, but more so opposition players um, arguing with the referee and, and shouting at them and getting at them and, and continue like following them around the around the pitch, trying to talk to them and trying to argue with them. Um, and nothing is is given. They're not. They should be booked. It should be a yellow card. Anyone who approaches the referee who isn't the captain, um, it should be booked as far as I'm concerned. Um, and if they're not booking them, then. Is that is a blue card going to make any difference? Are they actually going to issue blue cards, or is it just going to be more of the same? Where some clubs get punished harsher than others, um, some clubs get away with things. I just, I just think the whole thing is absolutely the the, the right in terms of wanting to do something about respect um, and and speaking to the referees and stuff. But I think that comes from clarity from the referees as well. I think the referees. Um, have got a, an obligation really to to come out and explain decisions and to be. Um, a little bit more clear on where why they're giving decisions and things like that. And I think to, I've said this before on a previous podcast. I think if you if you make them at the minute they're just referees on a pitch, 
and that's it. But I think if you take the, they've taken the human side away from it, they're not allowed to argue the case, they're not allowed to go on social media and explain decisions or go on in front of the telly or something like that. And I think if you do that, then that'll make a huge difference in terms of actually these people are humans and they make mistakes, just like our players do. Um, but without that, I just don't see it getting any better at all. I think blue cards is just another thing um, that can be manipulated or used. Um, I suppose in the wrong way, uh, and it's just not necessary. Well, let's let's assume they, let's assume they get brought in. Stu, what do you think the actual impact on the game is going to be? Massive. Like they... Because what what will happen is, say your team's uh, your player's been given a blue card. Um, the team that's been reprimanded with this this player going off for ten minutes in a sin bin. Are literally just going to sit in and pass the ball around for ten minutes till the player comes onto the pitch. It's just it kind of goes against what we want to yeah. improve the game. It's it's it, so this happens when 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 I play eight aside over here, right? Where you get blue cards and stuff, and you get them for swearing and stuff like that. Ridiculous. But um, what, what happens is you just get the we just make fouls for ten minutes until the player comes back on to stop any sort of momentum. It's it, it goes against what we want the, the game to be. I think. I'm pretty much with what what Ange said. Um, Postecoglou, like he's said against it. They've said some clarifications of <laughs> <laughs> and Rebecca. Um, but he's he's dead against it, and for the right reasons. Like it's just going to slow the game down. Like the, it's for bit more than anything. The, the, the people that are rethinking these rules, they need to be a bit more have a bit more innovation about them. We need to improve the game, you know, like. There's, there's some rule changes that could be, be made to enhance rather than make it a, a scrappy affair for the next 10 minutes. Think of the punter who's spending £80 to go to the match. Do you know what I mean? Mm. I mean, again, Ange, Ange, the voice of reason on these things. And I guess, like, what people will say is, like, oh, they have it in rugby, it's fine. But rugby's got 15 players. It's like, it's the impact isn't going to be. Mm-hmm. Is immediate and as obvious, whereas I think it will, it will here. I mean, what I'm what I'm not sure about either is, I mean, maybe the sort of you know the effing and jeffing at the at the refs gets a blue card, but what else are these like professional fouls where what they call tactical fouls? Because I mean, it's just not to throw another colour in, but it's just going to be another grey area, isn't it? Where like, well, exactly. oh, was this was this a yellow? Was this blue? Was this red? This one's a birthday card. This one's me debit card. Like what? Where does it end? Exactly. The less stuff that's open to interpretation, the better as far as I'm concerned. And it's it's just more, is this really a blue card? Is it a red card? And it's, it, it's again, about human error and stuff like that. And I think people just accept that referees make mistakes. I, I see a lot more um, abuse aimed at referees now than I did 20 years ago. Um, I don't know if, if that's, that's just based on my own experience. Uh, so I don't know how accurate that is, but I see a lot more now. And I think that's, Partly because of the likes of VAR and things like that, it, it, um, people just sort of tend to accept. You know, they'd still be angry about decisions and stuff, but they tend to accept that that referees make mistakes, and um, now they don't as much because of the likes of VAR. And I think blue cards just adds to that, to be honest. I'm I'm only I'm only for it if they come back and get a blue card. Then I think it'll be absolutely hilarious, and that is an enhancement. It's like on um, it's like on top man off football manager when you don't put a keeper on the bench and you've just got to go with no one in goal and it ends up being like twenty four nil. So I'm all for that, but uh, 
out outfield players now that against it. Like jokes aside, jokes aside, that's that's an issue straight away, isn't it? Does that mean the the keeper is going to be allowed to shout and swear and do what he wants because he's going to get away with it because there's no way of being able to police that? That's that is a genuine sort of problem with it, isn't it? But there's also we'll end up with this really really like weird system where you've got three yellows and one blue. Is that a one match suspension? And then then you've got two blues and eight yellows. Aye. That you get you get suspended for one point seven games. I think they should um I think I think they should give players green cards and then they've got to emigrate to America. <laughs> Is that a blue and a yellow? <laughs> you give you someone a green card and they've got to leave the pitch immediately and go to Keepro. <laughs> Just like that fella that fella today got through onto a flight into New York without a passport or a ticket, you say that? Bloody hell, nah, that's smart though. <laughs> anyway, going slightly off topic there. Right, so that's well, we haven't dealt with blue cards, but we've had a chat about them, and um, I think I think in a very short summary, absolute bollocks. But we'll see what happens. Very quickly on the on the other rule that's been proposed, the high school classic, middle school classic, time wasting a goal kick automatically gives the other team a corner. <laughs> Thoughts on that? Uh, does Does anyone care? Something has to be done about time wasting, doesn't it? But I'm I'm very much in favour of if the ball has to be the ball has to go out or go behind for it to be a corner, or a throw in has to go into the goal. For example, I, I can accept that, but for it to be a goal kick one second and then the referee to give it, I just don't like it at all. I don't, I don't like things that it just doesn't make sense. There's, there's better things we can do to like the rule has been for years. And it sort of gets us quite angry as well because it's 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 ridiculous. The rule has been for years that time wasting results in a yellow card. You know, so that's what you're supposed to do. So we've got these rules that we don't we don't use properly anyway, or referees don't use properly anyway. So now we're going to introduce more rules that they won't also use properly as well. We need to use the rules that we've got in place already. If you're time wasting, you get a yellow card. If you do it again, you'll get another yellow card. And you might have people saying, well, time wasting happens all the time. and um, It just means there's going to be loads of red cards in, in all over the Premier League and, well, all over the, all over football. But so what? Like, it won't happen for long. If referees are consistent with it and book and then second yellow card players for deliberate time wasting, it's only going to happen for a couple of weeks and players are going to think, well, I'm not doing that anymore because the referees are really hot on this. We need to use the rules we've got, and we don't do that. So why would we introduce new rules? Yeah, I can't. Um, I can't add any more than that. Totally agree with the volley. Like, um, let's just stick to the rules that we've got. So I, I can only, I can only remember that rule being enforced properly as when Alan Shearer was playing, and he used to like must have this timer in his head. And it was like as soon as it went past five seconds, he used to go ballistic at the referee for not giving a foul, <laughs> um, or, or giving any sort of. Um, Award against the keeper, like it doesn't really make sense, does it? It's very, very high school. Like I say, it's, it doesn't make sense at all. Um, I can't, can't add any more than that. UC Askelainen held the ball for like six point one seconds. Hi, hi. Very hard. All for that though. Okay, I'm gonna, yeah. I'm gonna pull out a, you know, an, an orange card, and on my orange card here is a wish for both of you. If you could bring in a rule 
Or you could take away a rule. You just can make one tweak to make things better. What would it be? Stu, I'll start with you. I've got a... So this one has been... has always been an annoyance for me. It's when... Um, it's when the defender gets a red card and you get a penalty. It's like a double punishment. Um, so I think, like... Let's give an example. So players kind of bearing down on goal. Defender brings him down just into the box. That player gets sent off and it's a penalty. Or the keeper gets sent off and it's a penalty. I feel like it should be one or the other. Um, like, let's say the defender brings him down, gets sent off. It's more like, a, let's call it an indirect free kick or something like that. I feel like these double punishments ruin games, you know. Um, doesn't get sent off like in the first couple of minutes and the game's, game's gone after that. Um but I just that's always felt like a bit of a double punishment for me. Uh, so yeah, let's, that that would be my shout. It does not change that recently though. So like you only get he's only getting attacked by his dog. Ah, uh, he's trying uh, to shag me on. Oh, there you go. That was um, on the agenda. Um, <laughs> there is a double jeopardy now, but it's uh, only if the player is makes a genuine attempt. Deliberate or not, isn't it? Uh, yeah. Right, yeah, genuine attempts. So I guess there's a little bit of, you know, that can be a grey area as well, I suppose, although sometimes it'll be pretty cut and dry. Yeah. What about, what yeah, about this one then? So, do, you know, do you know the teams that um, that rack up like 800 passes a game? Like I'm thinking like Barcelona back in the day and, and City and it's just, and then the other team has like 200 passes. Like once you reach 500 passes, you're not allowed to make any more. And they've got to be long passes. <laughs> so, like, when you, they, once the clock 500, Man City have just got to launch the ball from their own half over the centre forward. I think that would be a better. That would be a better change. Well, just like you have to reset. <laughs> right. So, like, that's your limit, right, lads? You've gone past your 500. Now you've just got to la- launch it long. <laughs> be quite fun. Well, worth worth testing out in maybe maybe some. Fourteen US tournaments preseason, just for just for the crack. Ollie, what's your what's your wish? Your, your so change to the I, game. Mine's impossible. The police, I, I accept that, but it's just something the Turk does since the dawn of time um, about football. Well, since nineteen eighties anyway. Um, so a team will be one nil up, yeah. Like let's say a, a, a lower level, a lower team in the league. Say like a, let's pick on a, I don't know. We'll pick on Bournemouth for example. Bournemouth are one nil up away at um, Man City. Um, so they spend loads of the game wasting time, and then over the course of the game, Man City take the lead two one, um, and then at the end of the game, there's like ten minutes stoppage time. I've always like sort of wanted for Man City to be able to say, no, we don't want it. Like, Bournemouth have wasted all this time. We don't want to add it on because we're winning now. So, And it's it's been something that's always wound us up. I know, I know that couldn't be policed because both teams will be wasting time at different points and, and how do you know how much have been, has been wasted and stuff. I get that. So it would never happen. But that's that's it's such a bugbear of mine that like it happens to us quite a lot as well, I think. It has since the takeover, particularly since we've been like half-decent again. Um, I just think it's it's so annoying that teams can come and waste time when they're winning, and then as soon as as soon as you take the lead, they're like frantically running around trying to catch up with the game. Um, and you can't, and, and there's like seven minutes stoppage time at the end of the game instead of two. You haven't wasted any time because you were chasing the game. Um, 
But now they're chasing the game, they get seven minutes to do it. So that, that winds us up. I'd, I'd change that if I could. If there was a way of being able to do it, which there probably isn't, I would do it. Have you also, also noticed, like, whenever it seems like today, when Arsenal won 6 out, despite the fact you may not add additional time on for all these goals, mm-hmm. when it's 6 nil, it's like, oh yeah, one minute. Like, well, that's, <laughs> that's not true. It's supposed to be one minute for a sub and 30, for, 30 seconds for a goal, isn't it? That's like the official law. Arsenal brought on yeah. all, all the subs and scored six. In one minute. Sure what, I do, what irritates me is when you see the clearest foul you've ever seen, like someone just kicks someone, and then they still complain that it's not a free kick. I would either bring someone on with an iPad, or if, if there's a big screen, I'd put it on the big screen and say, you can, you can take a bet, you can press a button, do you want to say, actually it was a foul, or... I don't think it was a foul. And then we're going to watch it. And if you're wrong, you have to leave the pitch. Because it's meant, honestly, some of the things people complain about, say, I never touched them. And it's just like rugby title someone. It's insane. It's it's the same with throw-ins as well, isn't it? Like, kick the ball off. It blatantly comes off you and you're appealing for it. Like, it just, it's it's mental. <laughs> I like that, I like that though. I, I like that. I've always liked that part of the game, especially when you're playing. Where oh, you, well, where you, where you, where you argue about something which hasn't happened, and then you get the you because the referee's such a flake, it gives you the, the decision. Like that's, that's one of the best. That's like scoring a goal. Like. I love it. <laughs> that's how you get respect back, just by arguing to you get your decision. It was qualified. That what I mean is, like when it happens against Newcastle, yeah. that's when it should be, that's when it should be stopped. <laughs> and at every other time, I'm not really that bothered about it. Okay, well, here's another, here's another sort of like yellow card, and this is going to transition really smoothly into the, the final bit of the agenda. Is is the yellow card for not just taking your shirt off now, but even just for putting your shirt over your head? Why? Why is that a thing? Never, is it never got that. I've never got is it. it like, is it a sponsorship thing? Like, is, that's the thing I'd always heard. It's absolute bollocks. But like, uh, there's so many different sponsorships and stuff in football now. It'd be hard to keep up, wouldn't it? But, but that rule's been around for so long. It feels like it was sort of before these mega sponsorship mm. deals. I don't know. And also, like, if because I saw one the other day, and some guy, his mum had passed away, and he had like a tribute to her, and the ref clearly didn't want to boot him, but did it anyway. Like, if <laughs> if the ref just decided, like, you know what, I'm not going to boot him. Like, what would happen? I think the ref would get in trouble, wouldn't he? Like, would he though? Like, what? Like, was someone going to go and bollock him for that? I, I, I would imagine yes. <sighs> I, I would imagine there would. I'd imagine there'd be some kind of sanction, whether it would be, I don't know, like a, a against his name or a one week suspension or something. Or like, <laughs> yeah, a blue card. Blue card. I, I'd imagine there'd be something like I, I just, just from my experience of uh, of the. Um, the referees association. I think that's just probably what would happen, especially if he was being observed. I mean, I don't know. I, the PGMOL are, are very um, draconian on the same, same as the FA, really. Like absolute madness. Anyway, it is what I wanted to talk about. Despite the, I, I did want to have a bit of a moan about that. I want to talk about celebrations to to finish uh, to finish off. 
First thing I'm going to talk about is is Arsenal's celebration post Liverpool. Jamie Carragher didn't like it, but you know, it's because Liverpool had lost. <laughs> Do you think it was too much, Ollie? No, not at all. I mean, you know, there'll be. <laughs> I just—it's the most boring complaint that anyone could ever have. It's just like you watch football to to win things, to win titles, to win. You go to a match to win to watch your team win, or, or certainly hope your team wins. And when they do win, or if they do win, then you're, you're entitled to celebrate that however you like. And Arsenal have probably. I would imagine because you know I was calling them bottlers earlier on, wasn't I? And, and to an extent, they have been largely over the last few seasons. They look like they're going to win the title, and then all of a sudden they, they, they fade away. Like for them, beating Liverpool was was a massive result for them. It, it was maybe yeah. even potentially like this season is our season. We're not going to bottle it this season. We're going to go to these teams and we're going to t- get results. And why shouldn't they celebrate? Like. Like it's just it's ridiculous. I mean, we get stick for having the the dressing room photos, don't we? Every time we win a game, and it's just pathetic. Like, what's it got to do with you? Just we're happy, we like it. What's it got to do with you? And celebrate it how we won. It really annoys us. So yeah, Carragher piss off. I just yeah, I found the discourse around it a bit a bit odd. Like they've just won a massive game. Football ultimately, well, it's about winning, but it's about you know it's joy, isn't it? You want to enjoy the moments. Exactly, live, yeah. live it, create these memories, and like you know, Klopp runs and I'm not digging out Liverpool here. This is just like you know, it's Carragher that was was saying. It. I'm sure others did as well. Klopp does that thing where he runs to the cop. Like, mm. like I think that's fine. Like, yeah, but nobody's nobody's saying anything about that. Oh, beating Burnley, it's gonna run to the <laughs> cop. Like, who cares? Just celebrating. Why is it? Why is it a big deal? Exactly, it's just passion. There'll be lots of other emotions around it as well, depending on the the, the game, you know. You don't know what... I mean, I, I'm not particularly massive on the history of Arsenal and Liverpool and what those results have been like. I don't know, I assume Liverpool have probably dominated that fixture for quite a few years, so that's a massive relief and like a, a weight off their backs as well and, and the emotion that's gone into that. And You just don't know... Lots of these games, you don't know what, what else has gone on aside from that. So now nah, just let people... Celebrate how they want to celebrate. It's got nothing to do with you. Just sulk off and go home. Get a chippy on the way back and just enjoy yourself. Okay. And let everyone else do what they want to do. Stu, thoughts? I, I am here to celebrate and pleased to be honest. Like, there's, there's a couple of things to this. Like, um, celebration is like a personal thing, isn't it? So people can celebrate however they want. There's no measure. Um, like, for example, that, that Arsenal-Liverpool game. Like, Arsenal would have been doing a massive amount of work behind the scenes to change mentality, the training, the methods and everything to, to get the players to a point where they can beat Liverpool. And the fact mm-hmm. that they executed that, like, is, is worth celebrating, you know? Because, um, like you say, it's a change from last season. So, they've been able to put right something that was wrong. But, kind of furthermore to that, I don't know if you've seen, did you see that Curtis Jones as well for Liverpool? He was saying, like, he was trying to make out like the way that they celebrated was copying Liverpool, as if the way Klopp celebrates and the way Liverpool do at the end of the game is was invented by them. Like it's insane. Like it's it's ridiculous. Klopp invents celebrating. Like how oh, yeah, man? Um, again, though, like let's just say for example that is true, right? And and they're just copying Liverpool to try and mine them. So what? Like <laughs> it's honestly it's mad and like. 
what I like is the one up one upmanship about it as well. So like they've went over, maybe they've went over the top on purpose to really get under the skin of Liverpool yeah. and it's worked because they've oh, got the different like it. You know what I mean? That's what I like. It's like Newcastle at Sunderland a couple of weeks ago. Like the celebrations were over the top for a reason. Do you know what I mean? It's Aye. there's always something a bit deeper, and it's a personal thing. I'm with Ollie. Like it, it doesn't rile me how the other team celebrates. Like it's, I'm not thinking fucking hell, you're going over the top. Like they go shake hands, they get to celebrate you. Don't put it right next to you. Exactly. I thought Martin Odegaard had fancy taking a few. For, you know, he's had a long interest in photography and. He's finally got his big opportunity to take some pics. He's getting grief. Yeah, yeah exactly. Just got his new DSLR, hasn't he? He's finally been allowed to have a go with the uh, with a proper camera. Well, yeah, it's just I find it all. I find it all a bit. I mean, obviously, we're now part of the discourse because we're having a chat about it. But I find it all a bit weird. Like, do what you want. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. There's, uh, there's no I mean, measure. Like, do do what you want. You know. Exactly. I mean. Always within reason, of course. You can't, uh, you know, you've got your, your out of bios. Yeah. Keep your, keep your pants on, <laughs> essentially. Yeah. Keep your pants on. Don't, don't swing your, your willy around in the, in the crowd and that sort of thing. Oh, Ox, Oxford away. <laughs> Bad that was, things, man. That's, you should, like, yeah, we should be clear that that's, uh, that's, that's probably one too far. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, <laughs> let's let's leave it there for a day. We've 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 killed can I, Roy. Can I just interject for one second? I oh, thought no. of a little rule, thought of a little rule no. tweak that I would like to uh, that I would like to implement. Um, goes back to VAR. So I, I'm obviously very against VAR anyway. Um, but if VAR is here to stay, which it, which it definitely is, um, I'd like to introduce a little tweak to it. What I'd like to do is I would like for each manager to have three, um three goes at, at VAR. So you can so VAR isn't implemented on the pitch by the referee or by by people in VAR. It's implemented by managers. So they it's similar to cricket like where you get three um well, like an appeal well, system. Yeah, three appeals I so you you can then you've got three each each manager's got three. So actually I want that to be looked at again so then VAR will will have a look at it. But actually if you're thinking well it might have been a penalty so I'm not gonna Make, make manager think a little bit more, but obviously they've got the screens there anyway, so they're watching the game, aren't they? Um, I'd, I'd be, I'd be in favour of something like that if, if I had to stay. But the, the managers never say anything, do they? They're always standing behind something. Oh, I've never seen it. They're always standing behind someone the whole game. They never uh, say anything. Isn't the, yeah, this always confused me though? I really, not always. So this is recently confused. I didn't think you were allowed to watch the footage. So do you know when they've got the little iPads? Mm-hmm. Are they actually watching the replay? But I, I, I thought you weren't allowed to have like real time or well, not real time. It's a replay, but you know, sort of like access to that footage. Yeah, it, it seems like they are. I'm not sure. I don't. I mean, it's totally the only thing it's going to do is incite, isn't it? And like, it doesn't really have a um a positive. Um, it's not it's not done for a positive reason, is it really? Because the referee's just going to get loads of stick. But I think I mean, it does look like they do, doesn't it? It does like well, they do always. I, I, they do crowd around it. Like I just never thought they could. No, I, I didn't think they could access it. Maybe just to, just to, let's go one further on your appeal system. They're allowed to appeal, but to do it, 
they have to answer a £64,000 question on who wants to be a millionaire. And if they get it wrong, they lose all their appeals. But if they get it right, then, then they can appeal. I'm up for that late guy. Yeah, well, that one works. Anyway, that's that's football. Well, I don't know. We'll have to think about you know that's the crowd. (laughs) Everyone's got a buzzer. Yeah, get like fifty thousand people doing that uh, on your buzzer thing. Anyway, you'd get it wrong if it was the away team manager, wouldn't you? (laughs) Actually, you've got if you've got a big away following, you deliberately get it wrong. Anyway, finish on a colour, flavour of football. That's uh, that's where we land it today, lads. We've we've clearly fixed football. We've sent away the celebration police, and we've decided that Man City are probably going to frustratingly, annoyingly win the league again. But you never know. So until next year, when we're when we're back, twenty twenty five, the comeback special. Ollie, Stu, thanks very much. 